When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been the penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Wednesday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel here with Joel L. Conan and Dennis Dick. Busy day today. From 8 to 9, we've got our earnings. We've got uh, some M&A rumors. Uh, we've got some macro stuff. A lot to get to. Tim Courtney is our guest. He's the CIO of Accentual Wealth Advisors. He will join the show at 8.35 to give us his views on the market. Uh, that's the deal for the first hour. And then as Joel mentioned yesterday, trying something different today, uh, or actually trying something older because we used to do this and we stopped. But from 9 until, I guess, nine, uh, until 10, well, we never went to 10, but we, we used to go to 9.45. But 9 to 10, we're going to do another hour, bonus hour. Joel will be joined by Sean Udall, the CIO of Quantum Trading Strategies, and Javier Haas for a little bit. He is Benzinga's cannabis editor. And uh, they're going to talk through the open. So 9 to 10, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop the recording, so that won't be available on the podcast, but it will be a bonus uh, hour just for the live show today, 9 to 10, Joel, Sean, and Javier for a minute. So a lot to get to on our show. I do want to remind everyone about the upcoming Benzinga Global Fintech Awards. If an hour or two hours of us is not enough for some reason, you can spend all day with us. We'll be there at New World Stages in New York City. I'm putting the link in the chat now. Get 20% off your ticket with the promo code PMPVIPFintechAwards.com to learn more. Joel, what's happening here overnight? Woo! We're going to start every show with a woo until we get Ric Flair to come on. Woo! Yeah, there we go. The background woo. <laughs> S&P Futures trading up two bucks, 3074. We pierced yesterday's low, not by much. So that's 67.50. That's a good area. We'll call it a double bottom uh, for now, 67.50 to 69.75. On the upside, we've stopped at the all-time closing high of 75.75. You get through that, and then the all-time high is 10 bucks above it. Tight, quiet range yesterday, and that's the way it's shaping up today. Uh, crude tried to overcome the $57 level yesterday. Well, it did close above it, but back below it today. So we will be keeping an eye on that 57. What was the close from yesterday? 57, oh, 22. So Crude, the high is 57.31, low 56.75. Gold up four bucks at 1487.70. Silver in the red by 8.8 .8 cents at 17.48. And Bitcoin, it's quiet. It's up 10 bucks at 9,430. And this is going to be a special day because Triple D is not going to complain about his long term portfolio. Probably not, actually. <laughs> I still find a way to look at it a glass empty, a glass half empty, but I believe, and it's hard because I'm always putting new money in there too, but I believe, you know, even net of the new money. So if I back out the new money that I put in, I believe I've made new all-time highs in my long-term portfolio. Why is that? 
We all know why that is, because I'm a value guy, and the value stocks have been taking off. You know, stocks like Hewlett Packard that I have in my long-term portfolio have been taking off. Stocks like FedEx, you know, stocks that have been under with P's of under 10. Those are the ones that have been coming into favor the last couple of months. We've continued to see this rotation. Same thing again yesterday. They're hitting the stocks with the high PEs. They're buying the stocks with the low PEs. I don't know how long this trend continues, but apparently Xerox is interested in this trend as well because we have uh, M&A rumor here broke by Dow Jones last night. Mr. Israel, what is that? Right. The rumor is that Xerox is considering a takeover of HP. Now, this is on the heels of their divorce, uh, 50-year marriage, 50-plus-year marriage with Fujifilm. They're getting a $2.3 billion windfall from that divorce. Uh, and I guess they want to put that cash to work. It'll, it, the, uh, the journalist said it would be a cash and stock deal for HPQ should it happen. It would be an enormous deal. I mean, if you look at HPQ, the market cap, $27 billion. So that's as, as of the close. So obviously the market cap's a little bit more there today because the stock's trading up 7%. I, they didn't say anything about a price, did they? I never noticed a price. Uh, no, I... J- just rumors here right article, now. No rumor price in the article. I mean, this... And obviously I'm an HPQ shareholder, so obviously I like this rumor, but just being said, it makes sense. I mean, HPQ's trading with a P of like six or seven going forward. They are going to be a major player, if not the major player in 3D printing, which is still the future. Um, you know, they're still going to be a huge industry there. I know some of these 3D printing stocks have not performed and valuations were just too nosebleed at one time. But I mean, if you look at HPQ, it's the opposite of nosebleed valuation. The, the valuation has been in the gutter. It's 3.22% trades with a forward P of six or seven. Um, it's cheap stock. So maybe Xerox is looking saying, hey, you know, I don't know why, but obviously, you know, there's going to be some synergies here as well with Xerox. So maybe this does make some sense. Um, stock is trading up buck 60 in the pre-market. I'm not sure I'm tracing it, but I'm already long and I bought the earnings dip, which, um, which looked bad for a few days, but then started to turn around with this whole va- uh, growth to value trade. And it's been performing well here for the last month. And now, obviously, we're performing very well this morning on the backs of this rumor. All right. Let's take a look at uh, HPQ here. Uh, That is the subject of Xerox takeout. We're trading up a buck 62 at 20, just right here at 20 bucks. So very, very difficult to talk about this from a technical perspective until uh, we get a price. So we will just uh, sit back. It's still just a rumor. And, and another thing, yeah, it is a rumor. Someone got really excited and go, whoops, and then they bought this up to 21. But I just want to point out something that Tiffany, right? Wasn't Tiffany getting takeout by LVH? And, oh, my gosh, 120, 130, 140. You don't hear anything, right? Still holding on, though. It's still holding on. It's but there hasn't holding- been any confirmation there yet. Yes. Yeah. So if you're in this, you got a target, 20 bucks or whatever. You know, you're looking for more, just be aware. I mean, the Tiffany's leaked a little bit, nothing major here, but the high that, uh, you know, on that initial day, that's so far, that's been the high of the move, 130, 40. And uh, the bottom bottom area, 122.40. If you lose that, then you got a big gap to fill. But, you know, when you hear these things with smoke, there's fire, you want to hear a price. And uh, so far we haven't, but uh, stay tuned. Obviously, very credible source. Wall Street Journal breaks yep. a lot of, you know, so this isn't coming from, you know, just some backyard Twitter account. This is from the Wall Street Journal. So it is obviously more serious room and there's probably something to it. Whether a deal gets done or not, that's still to be determined. Whether the premium is there, the shareholders desire is still to be determined. I'm probably just holding on to it because I bought it uh, just for the 3D printing aspect and the stock is cheap. And I like my value stocks. And then, you know, in the last month and a half, I've been paid for that. It's been a rough couple of years. I'll tell you that, though, because my value portfolio has very much underperformed, um, you know, what some of the other portfolios that are full of growth stocks have done. I just, you know, it's, it's a style of my investing. I like to know that I'm investing in something that is, you know, that's got some value to it. I've always been that way. Maybe it's a CFA background. Maybe it's, you know, the Warren Buffett reading his approach. But, you know, I've always invested that way. So, anyways, I'm sticking with HPQ. 
Do, do you have to do anything to keep up your CFA certification? Is there any continuing education or anything like uh, that? There's uh, 20 hours recommended. Um, you don't have to do that, but I would get that from so many different sources, you know, from just basically educated, you know, you can take courses, you can do readings, you can do lots of different things. I do so much with market structure, equity market structure in a year that I would probably easily cover that. And obviously I was very involved with Capital Markets Policy Council for six years before my term ended a couple of years ago. Um, and I'm still I'm fairly involved with the CFA Institute too. I've even helped to do some of the, you know, uh, edit some of the curriculum as well. So I've always been very involved. The last couple of years, I've not been involved as much with the CFA Institute, probably because I have two kids <laughs> and my two-year-old it makes me very busy between the show, between my trading, between my two kids, I don't have a lot to do, but I always wrote for CFA Magazine. I haven't done that in the last few years, again, because of the kids. But once the kids get off to school, maybe I pick some more of that stuff up. Uh, we got um, easy, I don't M-I-K-E-T says he's bringing the Benzinga show into his dental surgery at 9.30 on Friday. We're not doing it on Friday. We're just experimenting with today. So, And, and, and I wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> also. Good luck with the dental surgery. And, <laughs> and, you know, we're, we're, we're there for moral support, even if you can't listen to us. <laughs> but, maybe, maybe we'll look to expand the other days. But we're just going to try it out on uh, – Today, uh, with Mr. Sean Udall, he'll be on at 9 o'clock, and uh, I'm sure he'll have some- Sean's got to be liking this value trade, because Sean's a value investor, too, so we'll, have, we'll continue this conversation, obviously, along with Sean after 9, but, I mean, Sean's in a lot of value tech stocks there, and I'm sure some of those have done well, too, like HPQ, so, um, you know, and that, let's just go with this theme a little bit longer. I mean, this is why- I was so bearish Peloton on the show yesterday. I mean, we oh, said this, this, this dotted the I's and crossed the T's yesterday when this was trading over $26. I couldn't get a locate, so I couldn't short it. If anybody had it or if somebody else got a locate, congratulations. You know, hopefully you made some money, but you know, I don't talk that bearish about a stock very often. Um, I called it you know, a bicycle with a TV attached to it. Um, and here's a stock, doesn't make money. Here's a stock with, you know, that just fits the bill, the stocks they don't want to own. And it's a stock that's trading up 7% on a good report, but whatever, they're still, you know, losing money. So I didn't think the report was that great. And it, it literally, you know, after we done, got done that piece, you know, within a half an hour, an hour, it had given back all the gains and then obviously went down another 7 or 8%. So you're talking about, you know, it's a tidy 15% fall since we ran our little bearish segment on it just at this time yesterday. Timing is everything. All right, we got some. We got some earnings. We have. What else do we have? We did our little. We got to do the match. Let's match. go to the earnings, Joel. Okay. Um, it's a good. Oh. It, and and it's again the same exact theme. They don't want to own stocks with nosebleed valuations that you know aren't making money or are making very little money. And I think match dots the i's and crosses the t's on this one too. Yes, they are making money, but it's still you know fifty cents. You can do the multiple on that pretty fast. It's trading with a pretty, you know, sky high PE. So it was a good report. Again, it, well, give us some numbers, Spencer, before I digest. This yeah, the earnings report. were good. Uh, they, they looked fine. EPS fifty one cents versus forty two cents. Revenue of five forty one versus five forty million dollars. So they're yeah, they're making money. I was ready for this turn in this one. So it traded up two or three dollars on the initial report, and I'm like they're going to turn around and whack this. I had this in my head already that they're going to turn around. Even though it's a good report, they don't want to own this kind of stock right now. They don't want to own these high flyers. They don't want to own these former Momo names. And so I was looking and I'm like, okay, match is going to be really fast, but I could see that somebody was bidding up IAC and IAC obviously owns a ton of match it trades off of it and match turned around and um, it started going down. I smacked the IAC short and obviously I, I obviously scalper blood and me cover way too soon, but you know, it's down 19 points here now. So there's obviously the relationship that, you know, I'm aware of. So two reasons I can make money on a trade like that. One, I'm very aware of the relationship. And two is I'm feeling out, I'm feeling that they're not liking the Momo stock. So I'm biased to, you know, sell into the pop. And that's, you know, I didn't I, I actually sell in the match. I went and did the IAC uh, because Sneaky. I waited until match started to turn. I didn't want to hit match down two or $3. Obviously, I could hit IAC almost flat. It was actually bit up at the time, so which was crazy. But, anyways, uh, scalper blind me covered way too soon. Though. Where uh, where'd you get it? Two twenty over two twenty two. Oh my lord! Yeah, you covered it two fifteen. No, I covered way too soon. I covered very quick. Well, what happened was match went down three, and then it rallied all the way back up again. That's chopping around. I, like, ah, I take the money, and then I'm like, no, no, no. I see match fall. Like I got to get this back. Just short back on. There's no nothing to be had. 
you guys hold through that little shot period. So anyways, it was a good call by me. I know I felt it out right. I did not know match is going to fall 13% nope, or no. 17%. There's no way to know that. I just had a feeling that it was going to go red and continue to go down a little bit just because these stocks are out of favor. So, and we say this all the time, sentiment towards the stock matters more than the earnings itself in a lot of cases. And this is the same story with match. Okay, report. You know what? They don't want to own this kind of stock right now. This will turn. These, this, this, this whole growth to value trade will turn again. We've seen value to growth for the last two years. Well, you know what, guys? It's value's turn here right now. It's been their turn for the last month and a half. Does it continue for another month and a half? Does it continue for the rest of the year? I don't know that. But I'll tell you what, and Kramer said it last night, some of these value stocks are ripping so far now. I mean, you look at FedEx, and I own that in the long-term portfolio. I mean, the stock is up, you know, 15, 16 points in three trading sessions. Um, Karen Feinerman, you know, pointing out URI. I mean, just ripping from 130 to 150. I mean, they want the value so bad that they're willing to pay up for it now. If you're buying these value stocks now, now you're kind of getting late to the party. The time was when we've been talking about it a month ago. So there's still some stocks that haven't went yet. Macy's, you know, started to break out yesterday. But you're seeing it across the board. The P's under 10, it's moved back in favor. Even General Electric, you know, yes, they had earnings. Yes, yep. they were good. But yes, it's the low PE that's attractive. Ford has taken off. Ford had a garbage report. Woo! The last three days, woo, Ford's been taking off here too. I'm so, Yeah, so it's just rotation. It's natural rotation that continues into the value names. I don't know how, there's no way to know how long this goes for. But it can turn on a dime, so you got to be careful. I would not be paying up, you know, now buying FedEx at 165 when you could have bought it a week ago uh, at 150, and you could have bought it a month ago at 140. I mean, you're talking about, you know, really chasing here now. But, you know, if you're long these stocks, I'm, I'm going to ride it for a little bit. Yeah, they look at, look, a great, a great example, Spinner, Caterpillar. That was, a, that was, the, that was really the, the, one of the main turning points, wasn't it, Joel? When yeah, Caterpillar had that course. disappointing re earnings report, and it was down 10 bucks on the earnings report in the after-hours session, and it turned around and, and went green. That's telling you they were done selling these cheap PE stocks. They were done selling you know, the value names, and that was kind of the turning point. And we've been straight up in all the value names since. So you know, the Caterpillar was almost like ground zero for when this trade really, really turned to, to value. Uh, Dennis, do you look at, uh, I know I don't, um, AAII sentiment survey. No, and nothing. Because you got sentiment, you know, you're looking at sentiment, right? Old I'm looking at feel. Like you, yeah. you, sentiment, you can just tell by price. You don't need an indicator to tell you sentiment. If you're not in the markets, maybe you need an indicator. I'm in these markets, you know, 10 hours a day. I know what's in favor and what's not in favor by, by trading, you know, and seeing what they're buying right. and what they're selling. Price tells you sentiment. And you can see that this, you know, they, the media can preach it and they catch it two or three days usually after we do. I catch the sentiment turn very quickly because I'm in the market. So, you know, I can feel, you know, the oh, hey, they're hitting these kind of names here right now. I mean, if you want a real indicator, Berkshire Hathaway is always a fantastic indicator for how value is doing. A lot of value stocks in it. When Berkshire is up there making new all-time highs, you know, value names have come back in the favor to a certain extent. He doesn't go and buy, you know, stocks with PEs of nose, nose three PEs. At least he typically doesn't, unless his, who, what was the, the stock that he bought that his, uh, his helper bought and it wasn't Warren's pick? No, it was Teva. Was that Teva? Okay, well, that's again trying to be a value stock, but that's a value trap. So, right. um, but, but Berkshire Hathaway is a good gauge for, you know, how value is doing. And Berkshire Hathaway has been taken off in the last couple of weeks too. Not surprising. All right, so we did the. Oh, I didn't even do tacticals in match. Dennis, you are really getting me off. Uh, you're really go to the match where okay, it's off the lows. Yeah, well, what are your thoughts here? Uh, well, there's a quiet buyer in here. I don't know if they're short options or short the stock or they've been waiting to get long the stock, but uh, you plunged your pre market low is under $60. Your pre market low comes in at this couple brackets after let's see 56 78 so let's call it there's three lows under 57 so i think i don't know i just don't think just the way this chart's looking i think you know the more you pull back to that 60 57 to 60 area i think you find buyers i don't know if they're short to stock you're trying to initiate along not really seeing anything on the month. Oh, on the monthlies, I see 58, 68. So I'll just give you a zone, and I'd say 57 to 60 is buy zone for me here. Uh, 
trying to bring in a short, where this thing can go on a pop. If you short this thing and you just think it's going to go down to 50 bucks today, uh, the rebound high has been at 62.26. So you're going to be buying on, you know, you're going to be lifting offers if it gets above that area. And UAC, same chart, or IAC, same kind of chart here. Uh, you did bottom, you're on your way back a little bit. Pre-market low comes in at 192.50. So can, a lot of ARB going on with this stock. And, uh, all between IAC and match, it's all ARB. Yep. Yep. It's all risk herbs. And, you know, it, it's hard. You can't trade. And people say, oh, this is going to become a match IAC trader. I mean, for the most part, high frequency traders got that whip pretty well during the day. But on an earnings report, you know, they, they, I don't know why, but they're scared of it. They're scared more and they're not as active. And that's why you can get an opportunity yeah, to do risk. a little bit of the herb. And, 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 you know, and I, I like trading around the earnings reports. I've always liked trading sympathy. And this isn't a sympathy play. It's a pure play because they own so much stock of it. So there's all to, understanding relationships like this is my bread and butter is, you know, this is how I make my money. This is how I've made, honestly, my whole life, really, from a financial standpoint is not technical analysis, not, you know, looking at the charts and trying to find where support and resistance and the trend is. It's from relationships and understanding the relationships. I know when TLT is down, the banks are typically higher. I make money because I understand that relationship and I trade that relationship. I know there's a relationship between match and IAC. I know there's a relationship between Celgene and Bristol-Myers. It's called risk arbitrage. But, you know, there's also relationships between all your food stocks. You know, GIS and Campbell's have a relationship there. Lowe's and Home Depot are paired up. There's a relationship there. There's opportunities within those relationships. And when those relationships get out of line in the short term, a lot of times they come back in. Now, we know if you're talking pairs, it can get trendy and it can start to blow out. It's different things. But when you're talking about a Viacom versus CBS, that's risk arbitrage. CBS is going up a buck. Viacom is going to follow suit to a certain extent, you know, percent for percent, because they're, they're getting taken over. That's pure risk arbitrage. There's opportunities in those tra in that trading. Harry wants to know how you find these relationships, and I think it's his 20 years sitting at a desk. Well, I know what they are. I have them all written down on a piece of paper, but there's places. There's like RiskArb. Isn't it RiskArb.com or one of them? There's RiskArb places where you can find all the deals that are on the table. But it's also, you know, the, the, those are the easy ones. I mean, those are the ones that everybody knows about. But there'll be relationships that form. I mean, I've traded Roku Shopify for a while here now. Um, there's no actual fundamental relationship between Roku and Shopify, but they're both highly regarded Momo names. And that's why I'm, I'm more concerned about Roku into this report. Shopify has been in the gutter here for a while and looks like it's going to break down. I have a little piece in the long-term investment portfolio, which I'm, I've, it's back down to where I bought it. And I'm kind of like almost feeling like getting rid of it. But I have so few Momo names that I want to have some exposure. And, and it's got the whole Canadian thing, which is another story we've talked about before. But I mean, I look at Roku, maybe Roku is going to have, you know, rip on the report and maybe it's going to be, you know, I think they'll have decent numbers. The question is, do they still sell it anyways? I don't know. Um, another thing too is that, um, and I know you keep an eye on, is that uh, with some of the drug stocks and like sometimes good news is good, you know, good news is bad news for somebody like uh, the whole the Merck. The Keytruda Bristol Myers. Yeah, exactly. We've yeah. seen that a lot of times where Merck comes out positive Keytruda down and, and Bristol Myers with a competing yep. drug and Miss Bristol Myers will get hit. That's not so much now. I mean, Keytruda is so big for Merck. That it's and it seems like Keytruda is solving everything. So, anyways, it seems to be positive data about Keytruda every other week. But um, there, there was a correlation there for a long time where when Merck came out positive, Keytruda did data and would rip up a buck and a half on it. Bristol Myers would sell off almost the equivalent. So I traded those relationships too. I mean, just understanding all those relationships give you an edge. Those are real edges. Like looking at a chart, and here's you know something for oh, all the technical guys out there. I mean, you can say, oh, I know how to analyze a chart better than anyone else. I mean, you got 6 million people looking at the same chart. So there's going to be a few other people that are probably going to analyze it in a similar way. Is it really an edge? Do you think you've got the edge over the other 6 million people that are looking at the charts? I'll tell you, there isn't a lot of people. There's some people looking at relationships, but there's a lot less relationship-based traders out there than there is technical-based traders. I'm not poo-pooing the technicals. I use technicals. We talk about them on the show. I like support, resistance, and trends. But you know that's one tool in my toolbox. I really believe, and I've said this for a long time, that traders that focus just on technical analysis struggle to make money in the long run because it's not a real edge. I mean, people can look at charts and you know they can look at it the same way. And it's good to know that the trend is your friend. It's good to know you can see the value stocks are coming back. 
but I'm almost like deriving, you know, what I feel about, you know, the, the sentiment towards the sector from the chart, as opposed to making a call on a stock that has a pretty pattern. That's why I just think just bringing in a uh, Spencer, I'll let you go right no, after this, okay. you know, bringing in Sean, um, he does his own analysis. I mean, he loves his technicals and stuff, but he backs into the technicals by doing the fundamentals. He comes up with his own earnings, his own projections. Sometimes they're quite different in the street, but you know, he looks at the fundamentals and what the companies are doing. So I think that's his first looks, tool. Yeah. So he's not even looking at a chart. He's first looking as their value here. I mean, he's kind of like me from a valuation, you know, and Sean's a little longer than I am. Sean will hold swing. He's more the swing trading environment where I'm doing a lot of scalping. I'm doing a lot of short-term trading. I do uh, trades around the open and efficiencies. You know, we've talked about all this stuff. My bread and butter is day trading. Um, I've never done a lot of swing trading. I can, I, I do them sometimes. And I think I do a pretty good job with that. I just, you know, it's not a focus for me. I like to, you know, I, I, you know, trade overnight. I like to trade the open. I like to trade the close. Um, I like to trade all the little intricate relationships against each other on a daily basis. And obviously I do my long-term investing. I just, you know, you can't trade every time frame efficiently all the time. Exactly. So swing trades has never been a focus for me. And the one thing I'll say just re with regards to relationships is, you know, there are a lot of platforms out there and we've had some on our show that, you know, claim to be able to identify these relationships for you and maybe they can and maybe they can't, but there really is no substitute as Dennis is saying for sweat equity. There's no substitute for just time spent looking at charts and the market. Uh, that I, ultimately, I think that is the best best tool you've got better than any platform there or technology that that can, may, can or can't identify trends and correlations for you. I'm sure they're out there. A hundred percent. But there's no substitute for just looking, spending the time. That's ultimately your best tool. A hundred percent correct. And that's why I was saying in a world where you have um, you know, free trading through your Weebles, free, free trading from all your, of your, of your, obviously a lot of your retail platforms here now. Why not get your feet wet? Why do paper trading? I don't understand why we do paper trading anymore at all. Get in there, get a feel because when you're trading something on paper, you don't have the emotion attached to it. It's not your real money. When you get in there and it's your real money, you're getting feel. That's experience. That matters. And I've always said, when you first start trading, don't expect to just come in and make money right away. If you do, it's a bonus. But usually it's more luck than anything, or you might just be benefiting from an overall bull market. I mean, right now the market's going up. If you're primarily a long trader, you're probably going to make money just by pure luck. But, you know, you get into these like, and, and this is a, a good example. I started trading retail in 1996. And uh, 1996-1999 was just a huge bull market. I thought it was a genius. I was making money on every single trade. I'm like, I'm awesome at this. Then I started, by bright 1999, I realized I had no idea what I was doing. I was just lucky because the market was going up. So I was just benefiting. I'd buy Amazon and, you know, I'd sell in the afternoon. I'd buy Amazon at 100 and I'd sell in the afternoon at 120. And I thought it was a genius. I mean, it was just a huge, ridiculous bull run. So I was just benefiting because everything was going up and I wasn't shorting stocks. But then you come in and you realize you're starting to learn from market makers, learn different strategies, learning relationships, learning different things. It's like, holy cow, I was lucky I was in a bull run. And what happened to a lot of those traders in the year 2000? Well, when the bubble burst, you know, a lot of these guys are primarily long and they realized, hey, they weren't ex actually extracting, you know, alpha from their strategies. They were just benefiting from an overall up market. And a lot of these people lost a lot of money from 2000, 2001. Same thing happened again, 2007, 2008. So it, if you're a primary long trader, you're going to make money if the market's going up. You got to ask yourself the question, how do you do if we eventually do get into a bear market, which is inevitable, we will do again. Are your strategies okay? Are they sound? If you're primarily just writing puts, are you going to put too much stock that you could actually you know, risk your account? All questions you have to ask yourself. I know I do very well in a bear market. My best years were 2001, 2008, and 2009. Yep. And some people don't like it when I say that, but it's because I'm trading relationships. I'm short, long. I'm market neutral. People don't understand market neutral. They don't even understand how you can make money. But on any given day, I usually in my day trading portfolio have an equal amount of longs and shorts, at least hedged, you know, beta hedged and and dollar hedged as, much, as best as I can. So I'm doing that to take away the market risk. As I don't care what the market does. I care that I believe that, you know, this stock is going to underperform relative to this stock or, you know, it, it's lots of different things. So. Uh, what was that relationship? Um, Harry keeps on asking for the relationship website, Dennis. I did that riskarms.com. No, I don't know. Okay. There, there's one for, for all, the, for all the, the deals that are out there. Oh, okay. okay. There's a deal site. I went to it before. We might have some of this in the pro too. Do we have some of this? I'm in the trying pro? to think. Uh, what's it called? Gosh, 
steel not deal book not i i write them down so when they have i have a sheet of paper it's literally all the stock deals now the cash deals you don't care about like a fitbit is useless you don't care about that one because you already know the price they're in it's the all all stock deals like Celgene bristol myers that is point for point not percent for percent but for every 50 cents of bristol myers goes up Celgene goes up 50 50 cents so you know that that's just understanding because the deal is actually I believe it's fifty dollars in cash plus one share of Bristol Myers for every share of Salgene. That's why we get that. But then there's other deals like Viacom CBS is percent for percent. So when CBS goes up two percent, Viacom will typically trade up two percent. Now if there's specific deal news, those relationships can go out the window, and that's the risk. That's why it's called risk arbitrage. If all of a sudden the merger, you know, antitrust coming in, they might kill the merger. You can see those relationships blow out in a hurry. But on any given day, if there's no deal news those relationships tend to hold. Now, all these deals that you mentioned are on Ben's and Capril. If you just filter by M&A, you can get every M&A. There you go. But that also includes rumors. It, it includes deals. And well, let's, we'll clean up the pro. We'll put, we'll put a request in the pro just to put the actual deals in there. How, why don't we do well, that? Well, they are, How, but there's more to it. But, but maybe they can filter it just by deals. Like, right. There's probably a way to do that, that they can just, you know, quickly write, our coders can just quickly write it up. And then right. that would be a very handy tool. So I never even thought about that. Propose I'll pass, that. So I'll pass it yeah, all over at Brentster right now. I'll All right, we'll on. yell at Brent right now. And if everybody else has ideas for the pro, we always take ideas, you know? So if you've got something that you're like, I'd like to see this in the pro, let us know. And, you know, we can, you know, put, you know, a request in there. Obviously things take time to code them in, but if we think, you know, there's a lot of people that'd be interested in that, you know, we, 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 we can add stuff to the pro. Yeah. Uh, just real quick, Roku. Uh, boy, oh boy. I, I don't know if you're going to be trading this thing or going into earnings here. But 150, I mean, there is a wall there. You made a little bit above it. I'd call it 151.48. That was a high of the move. You backed off there. You also had highs in the 151, 152, 153 area in September. It's a little bit over the 50% retracement with doing a quick calculation. So if you're holding this thing into the report and you're looking for a pop, and you see anything in that 150 to 153 area, I mean, there were sellers there before. I think there'll be sellers there. Again, um, on the downside, some lows at the 128 area. But once again, it's all about the report, and we'll see what happens. But, man, over 150, that's where I see is major resistance. It's all going to matter about the report. Yep. And if they come out and really blow it away, it could be one, like we're almost far enough where we've seen it happen so many times that they've been hitting Momo names, like, you know, on good reports that everybody now expects that to happen. And it could go the other way. So you just got to be careful. It's not necessarily always the same dog. Once something happens, you know, five, ten times in a row where they're hitting you know not even sometimes it's three four times in a row sometimes it go the other way so i'm i'm i think i'm completely hands off on roku i'd be biased to sell spike on it but if the earnings really blow it away it's a stock that's loved enough that it yeah. could continue so i i think i'm just hands off on it they've got a history of earnings beats just so you know oh, i think they're gonna beat are they gonna beat by enough you know are they gonna pull a match where okay that's the price pretty good and then it comes down or is it you know gonna be a case where though no, they've blown this away this is serious and it's gonna rally it is a loved stock. Right. So. S&P's just stuck up and we made a new high here. Uh, 75, 75 was the other high. 76 and a quarter. I mean, it's just one of these incremental rallies here. Nothing, nothing great. Bonds are up uh, almost a stick here. Uh, really not much else going on. 833. You want to cover our second stock? Of the day? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they uh, like these discussions. They love it, Dennis. I don't know. Let's if go to the value stocks. Spencer? Uh, well, we had Merck just come out. Uh, is that, is that, is that what, what did Merck say? Is that value enough for you? Uh, what did Merck say? Merck beat on their EPS and beat Merck on was in the, schedule. Uh, I see their earnings out right now, so I don't think Merck was on my list. You're right. Did Merck? Did Merck? Was Merck scheduled, guys? Uh, let me look in my. Um, I did not see Merck scheduled. I don't think I unless did. I missed it. I did not see Merck on my list. Well, nonetheless, here we are. E EPS beat and a sales beat for Merck. Hmm, Buck 51. I own it. My, it's, all, it's one of the biggest positions still in my long-term portfolio. It had taken over my long-term portfolio, and sometimes you just have to adjust. I bought a pile of stock back when it was $30, I think 28 31 32 Held it for years, and it just went up so much that I actually started to lighten up. I've lightened it up multiple times, and it's still a huge position just because it went up so much. It's a good problem to have. Um, but sometimes you just don't want a stock taking over your portfolio. So that's why I have lightened up. I still got a huge position in Merck. I'm going to probably stick with what I have left. I've way taken more than I've ever invested in it out of it. 
So, anyways, 8345. Wait, wait, Merck isn't out just now. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah. I don't know what I'm saying. Merck. Oh, no, I'm looking. What is that, BZ? What is that? Yeah, I don't know what that is. That, I, I apologize. I'm not sure what that is either. But, but Merck was out. They were out last week. I thought they were already out. Yeah. yeah. yeah, they, they, yeah. Something. Uh, sorry. Uh, mistake, the... some, some glitch in the system. Some, glitch glitch, the some glitch has happened. Merck is not out. Glitch in the matrix there. I apologize. It's 834. I do see it trading oh. higher, though. Yeah, I don't know what that's about. All right. Uh, 8 to 34. Let's do one more quick before we go to our guest. Um, actually, you know what? You want to do Walgreens? Maybe go on private here? Oh. Yeah, let's talk CVS earnings with oh, That too. Okay. CVS data earnings and Walgreens might go private. CVS reporting this morning uh, for real. Uh, Q3 just EPS, a <laughs> buck 84 versus a buck 77. Sales also beat and a guidance raise for the year, raising their full year EPS guidance and they uh, cut their operating income guidance. What's at 70 bucks? <laughs> See how I, I look at this right away and I go, okay, I don't care what the technical, I don't care about the chart. I want to know what's the book. And CVS is something that is a New York legacy stock that is typically has some major players in the book. Let's go look at 70. Can you see that fire? 130,000 shares at 70. That's huge. So what does it do? Did it get up to 70? Nah, not quite. At sixty nine ninety. So, so these are not coincidences, though, that these turn around on these. There's players that look in the book and they're like, okay, I was going to take a lot of money to get through seventy, so I'll, I'll take a free ride. Or I'll take a, a nice, you know, look at the short side here in front of that. So it turns there. Go ahead, Joel. No, and so how do you handle the stock if the company wants to go private? I, <laughs> I think you just wait for the highest possible price, and then <laughs> you hope. You dump it. I, I I don't know. That's a great question. All right. We're a minute behind with our yeah, guest. Yeah. All right. Here. Let's bring on our guest today. A new guest will join us. Uh, Tim Courtney. He is the CIO of Accenture Wealth Advisors, and he's got a pretty good macro uh, point of view, although I'm, I'm sure he has a take on what we were just talking about with our, our growth versus value conversation. So, Tim, good morning. Morning. Do you, do you have any, I'm not sure if you're listening, but we were just talking about growth and value and value is, is in vogue right now, but that could turn, you know, on a dime here. Uh, do, do you have a take there? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, except for just a few months, really in late 2016, after the, after the presidential election, um, you know, value stocks have, have been on a, a kind of a historic, uh, you know, uh, you know, underperformance. Uh, run against growth stocks, and um, it, it's been so uh, so consistent that growth has outperformed really since the middle part of 2014 is is when uh, growth really started to take over. You had the energy uh, sector starting to falter, and uh, for about a year and a half there, most of the S and P had had negative earnings outside of outside of tech and a few other growth areas. I think that uh, it's probably time that that value is. Uh, would start to outperform and and uh, you start to see a little little hints of that over the last couple of months so i don't i don't want to say it's uh it's time for value to start outperforming but the the underperformance has been so large um it's it's likely that probably over the next five years that that value uh comes comes back you start to see uh price to earnings ratios in the you know in the uh, low uh you know the low teams approaching 10 for, for, for some value areas. And uh, the, the odds are, I think, that they will probably outperform, but it's, I think it's too early to tell. All right. Well, in the next five years, I don't know if I can wait that long. Uh, I don't know if, if, if our portfolios can wait that long either. But in any case, let's talk about- Are you what saying we are... for the next five years, though? Oh, Aren't you saying years, not even sorry. in the next, like, like, like okay. you think this performance could continue for a while, correct? This, this, value, this growth to value trade. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I do. Um, I mean, it, it has outperformed recently. You, you never know when, uh, you know, when a trend and a, uh, you know, when it turns. But I, I think likely it it, uh, it will outperform for a while when it does. All right. So, Tim, we've talked about here. Obviously, we're sitting here on at all time highs or damn near close to it. Uh, doesn't matter. Every every dip, they just come in and buy it and. I guess, I guess there's money on the sidelines. I mean, is that the only explanation here? Yeah, I think that's a big, that's a big part of it. I mean, you know, we, we are uh, flush with cash. And uh, so th there's a lot of it out there. And, uh, you know, the, the, I think 
the other thing about, uh, aside from cash being so, so uh, plentiful is the fact that there's just so few options out there, so few alternatives. If you look at, uh, obviously interest rates are, are below 2% uh, with inflation just below two. Um, you can't have money sitting on the sidelines and, and expect real returns. Um, and that money's gotta be put to use. Um, if you look at real estate, you know, real estate yields are in the, for, in terms of REITs, they're in the 3% to 4% range, very, very low by historical standards. And then, then you've got equities. So yeah, I, I do think uh, it's, it's the cash, it's the lack of alternatives um, that, that's gonna have people coming in and, and buying on the dips as they have. I mean, we almost reached a 20% correction, uh, you know, we almost reached a bear market in the fourth quarter of last year. But, you know, within a couple of weeks, we had already recovered probably 10, you know, 10 to 15% of that, of that downturn in, in late December and the, the uh, first several weeks of January. So um, they'll certainly happen. The, the, the pullbacks will happen. You know, we have about three to four, 5% plus pullbacks a year. We've had two so far this year. We'll probably have another one in the fourth quarter, I would guess. But I do think that the, the recent phenomenon of, of cash flooding back into markets after a, after a meaningful pullback is probably, probably here to stay for a while until there are some real alternatives out there. Uh, Tim, is there a particular uh, asset class or if you want to get more specific uh, sector or industry that you, that you have your eye on for the next year or so? Well, value would be, value would be one of them. Um, <clears throat> and so you've got a lot of, um, you've got a lot of sectors in that, in that uh, area, uh, fi financials, um, some, some industrials. Um, and, uh, so I, I think value likely will do, will do better. Um, the, the other, the other thing I think investors should consider, and this has not done well over the last five or, or 10 years has been some international equities. And when you look at international equities trading, you know, the, the entire market trading in, in the, the low double digits between, say, 10 and 14 PEs, um, you know, you have currency risk there. But uh, I think if, if you feel like you need to hedge the currency risk, I think getting exposure to those international assets, which are trading at, at very low prices, would also be a, a good asset class to consider. Tim, what constitutes a, a trend shift for you, right? I mean, we've talked about growth, uh, value outperforming growth here, uh, but everyone has their own different definition of, of, of a change in trend or, or a change in direction. So like when you're looking at different markets, what constitutes a, tra a, a trend shift? How do you determine for yourself that the trend has changed? Yeah, I, I you know, we, we don't, it, with with our strategies, we tend not to make big shifts in, in our in our uh, managed portfolios uh, based on based on where we see trends moving, and so we don't have a, we don't really have a process for identifying them and acting on them. We generally utilize uh, valuations more frequently than, uh, than than trend analysis, and um, you know, and that does involve longer time frames uh, to be sure. But um, when we see valuations, uh, you know, approaching uh, levels that, that you rarely see, um, and I think we're probably reaching that, that point uh, in terms of value and growth. It's not uh, value and growth, uh, their valuation spread is nowhere near where it was, say, in 2000 uh, during the, uh, the, the dot-com bubble. But it's uh, the, the spread between those two areas, say, in, in price to book, is, is pretty wide. There has been very few times in the past where you've seen the spread this wide. And so we would estimate, you know, moving forward, that that value would outperform. And we do that analysis across asset classes, such as international, um, REITs, and, and, and so on. And uh, so I think, it's, I, I think uh, valuation is typically the key. To uh, to expected returns moving forward, and um, it's it's been you know it, it hasn't uh, the, the value piece has not worked recently, but uh, in most time periods it it, it does. 
We're on the line with Tim Courtney. He is CIO of Accenture Wealth Advisors. Uh, $2.4 billion under management. Uh, Tim, I'm not, not going to ask you about any individual positions here. I mean, I'm just, we're just talking a lot about market mechanics and, and technical analysis. And you know, our belief is you know, it's the institutions, the big buyers, and the big sellers that make the charge, that make the markets. Uh, just like on your average position, like if you decide to go into stock X, Y, Z, and you're going to, you know, donate, you know, or put a certain amount of your funds into it. Uh, like how long, I mean, I know you're just not going in to buy, you know, 200,000 at the market. Just talk to us about, you know, how you get into that position, how you use technicals, if you use any, and then the duration of time it takes for you to get in and out of a large position. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, we do have an individual stock strategy. We uh, call it our select strategy, and it's about 40 to 50 um, U.S. large cap names. And, uh, and so typically the, the uh, volume on those shares are, are you know, easy enough for us to move in and out of um, as needed. We don't really need to, uh, to utilize any kind of special trading strategies. Every so often we will use algorithms to, to spread trades in over the course of, uh, over the course of several days. We do have uh, another strategy that we call our opportunity strategy, which are more uh, small and mid-cap names. And those are names that we feel like are our future select names. They're, they're future high quality names, but currently they're obviously they're, they have lower market caps. They have uh, lower trading volumes. There are more risks with those companies. And those are the ones that we typically need to uh, watch the mechanics of more closely. And, uh, those might take a couple of days, depending on the size of the, the company. Um, but generally, we're, we've completed our trades within a, within a few days. Um, and uh, so be, because most of our names are, say, a billion or more in market cap, we haven't, uh, and, and most of those are, are several billion, we, we really uh, haven't, uh, haven't run into any technical issues up to this point. All right. Tim Courtney, thanks so much for the time today. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. All right, eight forty-six here, uh, guys. Where are we at? Anything good? Continuing creeping higher, up four and a half handles to seventy-six fifty. So uh, current high seventy-seven and a quarter. Just a nice little run up here, uh, going into the open. All right, more earnings. More earnings. Is okay. That, is that the plan? Let's do some. Uh, hmm. Let's do like cyber. So let's do CyberArk, CYBR. Uh, this morning, Q3 EPS, big beat, 65 versus 47 cents per share. Sales beat 108 versus $103 million. Q4 EPS guidance is a higher than estimates. Q4 sales guidance is higher than estimates. Full year EPS guidance is also higher. Full year sales guidance is also higher. So good guidance across the board and a nice earnings beat for CYBR. Tough one. I mean... This isn't one of those typical like Momo names I think about. So it's not a natural fade and it's a really good report and they do make some money. So I can't just like throw, okay, like a Peloton just dots all the I's and crosses the T's for sure. I, I don't see it there, um, but I do see a couple of resistance points just above 120. So I would just say yep. anywhere near 120, I think you start to slow down. Yep. Someone was asking about that earlier at the time they were asking, I'm like, Hey, it's at the highs of the pre-market session. So buyers are still lurking out there. And then just kind of the way we do our technical analysis, very similar. I went back to, uh, uh, and you know, towards the end of August, I see a one nineteen eighty high. And then I see a pair of highs just right at one twenty one fifty. So, and that's just for today. If you're looking for some potential targets, it's already up eleven forty one. There's a bidder in there. They're buying. They're taking the stock up. And uh, I don't really. I mean, right now on the daily charts, I see that one nineteen eighty high. Then the pair of highs at one twenty one fifty. Let's jump just away from the earnings just for one second. I want to talk Uber. The lockup um, is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know what? Sometimes these trades are just that simple. You short the thing ahead of the lockup and you collect on the day, you know, that the lockup expires. And 
I mean, here we are. It's down five and a half percent. I believe there's also an offering here, if I'm not wrong. There's yeah, something offering going on. Offering two on the same day that I. Well, it could be insiders trying to get out, but there's some blocks. Um, wow. Priced here. I mean, obviously still, disappointing earnings. Yeah, this is still shaking out from earnings here. I wouldn't. It's still shaking out from earnings, but totally with the lockup too. I mean, this is the day it expires, right? Yep. So better. we're down another dollar and a half. So there's not a new headline. You know, this is disappointing earnings. Now we're down another dollar and a half on the lockup expiration. Um, it's ugly. I don't know. Uh, stocks making new all-time lows. Yep. Uh, boy, uh, Joe Dagger just brought up it. I don't have the Adidas chart in front of me, but look at this sleepy Nike chart here. Holy moly! Look at the matching ranges here. Eighty-nine to ninety fifty. You've been trading in that area. You up fifty-one cents. Made that all-time high. You pulled back. I don't know. They're saying like if we could clear ninety fifty here with some momentum, a good strong market. We got a rating today too. Uh, Raymond James initiated that as a buy. Really? Initiated as a buy now? Whoo! I don't know. Clearing. I have a trading position, so I'll limit my comments. Okay. But I'll just say there is an RJ position there. Yeah, I'm just saying clearing. You know, nine ninety fifty, real quiet range here. Wow, that's uh, that's a bull move up here. But that's what I'm looking at. You see all those highs, 9041, 9053, 9056, 9034. Those are from the last four sessions. Still haven't cleared that area in pre-market trading. That's what uh, – uh, is there anything at 90 – well, it's not exactly 90. We've kind of cleared her out. So yeah. I can go look at the book quickly. On yeah, that there's piece. nothing there. It's kind of like a, um, a secret algo there. <laughs> it's one of the hidden algos that just keeps refreshing. Yeah, anything over 950, bip. Does happen. Raymond James is is out hard this morning. Yeah, yeah. Talk about the note. They are bullish. uh, A lot of retail reinstating Under Armour at outperform, even a thirty dollar price target. Um, Nike we talked about outperform. Their price target is a hundred dollars. There, Lululemon, strong buy. I don't know what they're they're starting Lululemon now. Yes. At a strong uh, back. Yes. I, I, Sometimes I you see these cases where an analyst left and then they yes, replace them with a new analyst I, and I then they restart know, coverage. I don't know what the difference is between a strong buy and outperform, but here we are nonetheless. Um, and it got a $275 price target. So Lulu, Nike, uh, Under Armour, Foot Locker as well, uh, outperform, $70 price target. The only uh, sell rating here or underperform is Dick Sporting Goods. They're uh, underperformed there. But bullish on Foot Locker, uh, Nike, Under Armour, and Lulu. All right. Going to the retail there. That's yeah. uh, that's interesting here. Ahead of the uh, the holiday season, I guess a little uh, Thanksgiving late this year. So that kind of delays Black Friday a little bit. But, man, I don't know. It's Could ahead, of, just, it's yeah, ahead uh, of the earnings report. Yeah. With the exception of Under Armour, it's a, ahead of earnings season for yeah months, under so. let's just talk under armor i mean it, it shrugged that day off yesterday uh on monday the sunday news sunday evening news dump but uh real nice if you're gonna get above i'm looking at the ua as opposed to the u double a and you're yeah. in a, you're at 1650 yesterday's high 1657 then you open up to a two buck gap two dollar and thirty cent gap here uh, so let's see here if Under Armour can get in that gap. And then MCD got off the mat yesterday. I won my bet on Monday. It's turning You're going to win. It's going to be like the Twitter one. You're going to win it by that, like one little candle, and then the thing's going to rip here now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, what about the Grubhub? Because we saw those like eight downgrades in one day. That was a low. That, that was, day was a low. And it's been climbing since. We saw a little bit of insider buying there last night. I don't have a position on this yet, but – I don't know. I think this is a stock that could show some life here today. There wasn't huge insider buying, but there was multiple directors buying, including the CEO. I'm um, just trying to look at the amounts. Yeah, this is the CEO. Yeah. So one, two, three, four, five, like six insiders bought. Six insiders were disclosed buying, and, and one was the CEO. And it wasn't a huge position. I believe the CEO bought you know, a few thousand shares. If you, were, so. if you were an analyst on that day and you saw like seven other people were downgrading it, wouldn't you like I'll say, oh, no, I'm going to upgrade it? Part of the herd. <laughs> yeah. They would have been that analyst would have been the right one because holy, we've come back from those lows. And you know what? My is this one, you know, you throw her in the long term portfolio and forget about it? Like I haven't analyzed this from a fundamental basis, but this stock was one time was a hundred and fifty dollar stock. Don't um, be a hero. Don't be a hero. Don't be a hero. Well sometimes some okay. But it stopped hero. going down, Spencer. It stopped going. Is it calling down. a bottom if it's not going straight down? It's went up for three, four days in a row. 
do you get? I, I honestly, I think there's a trade in here. I think there's a trade to 40. So, and I'm not saying, you know, you go in here and you buy to 36 today, but I'm not saying you don't either. So I have no position, but I kind of like it for a trade here. Just, I think there's room here in Grub. Do you get like getting Taco Bell delivered to your house for, you know, an extra 250 surcharge or something? That's what Grubhub does, right? Yeah, they do. Among others, I mean, Uber is competing. Not with just Uber Taco Eats. Bell. I don't know why you're so. I don't know why you're so. <laughs> what kind of money? Do they make money? Does Grubhub make money? Uh, let's find out. I believe they do. I think let's they check. make money, don't they? Let's check real, real fast. You got a Ford PE on this thing? Yeah. Yeah, they're profitable. They're profitable. You know what? I, I, I'm not buying it, but well, you never know. I never say never. I don't. I don't have no position right now, but I'm interested. We'll say that in the GRUB. All right, S P still up three three quarters handles. We got about five minutes, and in five minutes, uh, Dennis is going to go bang on the keyboard there until and uh, trade the open. We'll be joined by Sean Udall, and uh, he did a little preview tweet of what he's going to be talking about. So five minutes left here. I looked at the ratings today, Dennis. Did anything really catch your eye? I didn't really see any, nothing really. There's no big names in there. We went through Lowe's is upgraded Credit Suisse. That's, that's notable because Lowe's is a widely traded stock and is trading up a dollar here in the pre-market there. And it's one that's held up. You know, this is a stock that's not far from all-time highs. So LOW uh, looks interesting. I'm looking at the downgrades and trying to see. I do see Weight Watchers uh, catching a downgrade. That one's obviously just chasing a bit, although the stock was actually up yesterday. That Weight Watchers turn. No, I'm sorry. It's the earnings were last night. So I was looking at the chart. It's stock's down six bucks. So this is That's chasing. a big move. Whew. Yeah, off the earnings there. WW. It was last night they reported. What were the, Let's do the Weight Watchers report. All WW right. International. They don't like being called Weight Watchers. Oh, yeah, exactly. So uh, EPS, 68 cents, beat by two cents. Sales missed 348 million versus 352 million. They did raise their full year EPS guidance, however. They raised it by about eight cents. Uh, so I don't, know, I don't know if that's a. This, I, I don't know if that's the reason why. Uh, Stocks had an impressive run. We know it was $100. I think you can forget about $100. I don't think it's getting there anytime in the near future or ever. Um, but $16 a low back in May. It's come up to 37 It's time to cool off a bit. I mean, anybody who bought this in the last six months made a lot of money. It's time to cool off a bit. Um, still, you know, what, how much money do they make? What's all right, all right. So, so this is the trade. Weight Watchers is down. Wendy's and Papa John's both up. That's the trade today. <laughs> so dieting is out. We're full on. Dieting is out. Ourselves. Peloton no. is out. Dieting is out. You know yeah. what? Dieting is out of favor. Eating really bad for you food is in favor of Wendy's. I guess you can get something healthy at Wendy's. You can get like a salad or something. Uh, we drove, there's a Weight Watchers on Orchard Lake, a big, big office there. I drove by there with Lisa the other day and she made it. She said there's like a new diet out. She said it's going to crush uh, Weight Watchers. Oh, yeah? I, I can't, and that was before the report. What was she saying? Keto? I, yeah. yeah, that's not new. I got a friend on not the keto new? too. It's not, it's not new, but it, it is becoming more. Keto's, and that's <laughs> just dumping out the carbs. It, it's short for. It keto. was the old Atkins. It's short for ketogenic. It's not a new thing, and it, but it's becoming a little bit more mainstream. What, what What do you do on that diet? You just dump the carbs out, so you eat fat and protein, no carbs. You know what? But uh, Atkins was like that. Remember Atkins? That was the same thing, wasn't it? Spencer, yeah. you remember uh, that? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. It was the same thing. It was dump out the carbs. You know what? Uh, a couple people I know that have been on um, some diet, and what they do is they don't eat all day, and they just eat one meal they, for dinner. That's called intermittent fasting. Yeah. Well, look yeah. at Spencer. You're up on this stuff. I'm up on this. It's like the snake that. diet. You know, you only eat once a month. and <laughs> I would eat too much of that one meal. That's what oh, I yeah, do. me too. Uh, I eat too much at all my meals. That's my problem. Try surviving Ramadan. You guys wouldn't be able to do it. <laughs> don't, don't eat when the sun's up. Uh, but okay, 858. Uh, Imbalances, yeah. AT&T, 145,000 to buy. CVS, 80,000 to buy. Mickey D, 60,000 to buy. Those are all notable here this morning. Square, which reports after the bell has 40,000 to buy. Still have it in the long-term portfolio. Although I'm kind of nervous about it going in, I'm probably I'm nervous take it too. In I'm nervous about the square. It fits that bill of like you know selling all these high, you know, growth names slash ones that don't make a ton of money. But I feel still feel like Square could grow into that valuation. Um, 
CBS 32,005. It hasn't gone anywhere. It's been two months. It's still at the same price I bought it. So I don't know. <laughs> it's not going to grow into it in two months, Joel. It's going to take a couple of years for it to grow into that valuation. But I like Square. I like the technology. I'm a believer in Dorsey. And I think, uh, obviously, I'm only at a, and this might be the tell, I'm only at a half size position. That's the, that's the tell. So, so that's the tell that I'm not that confident. <laughs> All right. That's it. All right. Um, hey, Dennis, keep your, uh, keep your Zoom up in case you, uh, you want to pop in. We're going to be on. Maybe I'll pop in after the open. I got to go trade the open. If I we'll can slow her down at 945 or 950, maybe I'll pop in and say hi again. We're going to extend a show, 9 to 10. Bring in Sean right. Udall. So here, Are we going to play the music again? The value tech guy. There's not a better day to have Sean Udall on than the value tech guy. Is he coming? I want to say hi to Sean before I leave. You, you okay. want to say hi to Sean real fast? All right, Dennis, you can say hi to Sean. But uh, Bring before, him I'm bringing Sean on, but before I, uh, I, I just form a transition, I, I'm going to end the recording uh, right now for our podcast, and we're just going to uh, do the show live here. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.